Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Reason podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's guest is Willow of Waffling Willow YouTube channel. She is a detransitioner that talks about her transition and detransition, and that's what we cover in this interview. I've been speaking to detransitioners for over two years now, and what's always novel to me about them are the ones that I come across and that accept my invitation to speak is how introspective they are. And the entire transition journey that they've been on ends up becoming fodder for their self-development. Now, that's not to denigrate uh, trans people or uh, you know, undermine the seriousness of altering your body for the sake of an identity, but it still sheds light on the human spirit of which Willow has a brilliant one. So I'm going to get out of the way, and here is Waffling Willow. When did you start the uh, YouTube channel that you've been pouring so much of your soul into? Uh, I started it in July of last year. So I was pretty energized by the sunlight. (laughs) Oh, really? And going for it, yeah. Well, other people poured their energy, their sun energy into uh, massive protests. But you're like, you know what? Webcam, <laughs> microphone, blabbing yeah. in yeah. on the screen. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did, yeah. Yeah, one of the reasons why I even, like, started doing it was because I just kept on seeing, you know, uh, other detransitioners coming out. And I was just like, damn, I want to be part of that number. <laughs> I don't know. Well, now that I say it out loud like that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of selfish. <laughs> why, why, would, why do you think it's selfish? Oh, I don't know. It just sounds... You want to be um, part of the club. I want to be part of the club. I want to be part of the number. You know? I mean, I wasn't going into it. I guess I wasn't going into it specifically thinking, oh, this will... Uh, I don't know. Not Not help people, but I don't know. I guess I was just thinking of just joining in. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do, do you, the weird thing about what you're doing and what a lot of people are doing, what I'm doing uh, for a certain percentage of my content, I'm basically just talking to myself into a camera. Do you, is there an aspect of that, of talking to who you were or trying to figure out the things that you could have known before yeah, I don't know if I understand your question well, are you talking to are you trying to figure out what you would have liked to know beforehand is that a is that a like a prompt in your head or you you working out just what you are thinking in the moment uh, I don't know I mean I, I haven't really changed much from when I started to what I'm doing now. 
I, I mean, when I first started, I was just like, I'm going to do it in my room and I don't like it because <laughs> I have roommates. So they're going to probably hear me at least mumbling to myself. And I, I, that just made me like stage fright, you know? So I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. And then I went outside into the backyard and that was, that was weird too, because then my neighbors with their doors, not their doors open, but their windows open. And they're just like, what is this freak talking about? <laughs> huh. And then I moved to the car and I was like, okay, this is good. And I mean, if I were to like think on, oh shit, I should have known that I should have started out in the car. So then I would be more confident. Like I, I, that doesn't really cross my mind. It's just like, I learned as I went. I don't know. Isn't that a little strange uh, that, uh, and I, I'm talking to myself, but you're making me think about it. It's easier to talk to no one in particular and everyone in, in general on the internet than it is to talk to my neighbor about these things. Cause I don't know where they, they stand, but I know that somebody out there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's different. It's like, I don't even want like, it just like my husband to like, hear me. I don't, I don't want that. It's just because I just, I know my video is going to go out to people who actually want to listen to it. Whereas it, it, my everyday people around me, they're like, what? <laughs> Excuse me, what? What is this? Like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that is interesting. But they're so engrossed in their in their lives. And I'm not criticizing them. But they're so engrossed with their, their lives and what they're doing. That's just like, you know, you, you don't need to listen to me and, <laughs> and what I have to say about this. Like, it doesn't affect you kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it just, it's really phenomenal that uh, the internet allows us to connect with people based on uh, vectors of interest and identity in ways that we have never had before in our immediate place. And in our immediate lives, we have to compromise between what we're really interested in and what the people we know are really interested in. We find a middle ground, we kind of compromise on our interests and we kind of find some similar interest in, in the day-to-day -day life. But on the internet, which is a good thing, at least at first, we were able to just meet people that are into what we're into, but then yeah. it created all these different really intense communities. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's good and bad about it. Of course, there's also people who get attracted to it and they're like, oh, well... I guess this means I'm invited to make fun of you now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you look dopey today. <laughs> People have a hobby horse and an anti-hobby horse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you really find that in real life too much. I mean, it depends on, on where you go, of course, but usually, like, if you're going to the grocery store and you're, like, saying something about your opinions, I don't think anybody's going to be like, <laughs> How dare you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when describing gender ideology, like you did with your previous video or your most recent video, to what degree was the uh, online communities uh, assist you in adopting that and exploring? It? Uh, basically what I was going through, uh, like initially it was like, before any of my questioning happened, it was like I was trans identified and and I was like totally into like the social justice stuff and I was very liberal to the point of other people being, you know, uh, 
frustrated with me, but they wouldn't tell me until like way later in my life. <laughs> and then they'd be like, mm. yeah, you were really annoying. I'm like, oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> in any case, oh, yeah. So I was like that. And then I met a friend online and she was, well, still is. She's, she's very much alive. Last I checked anyway. She, she's Serbian. So she was like outside the whole social justice sort of realm of uh, other parts of Europe and the UK and Canada and whatnot. So she was like completely, pretty much completely detached from it. So she would teach me, uh, you know, her more traditional values. And, you know, I, I liked and respected her. She was my best friend. So I was like, oh, yes, of course. Tell me more. I need to be like you sort of thing. And that pretty much got the ball rolling a little bit for me. And then I, it wasn't like an initially like, oh, she told me these things and now I just doubt the entire thing. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it didn't start out big. It was, uh, it was, it was very subtle. And be because of what she told me, I would start listening to other voices that I hadn't listened to before. And uh, I can't remember the next thing I said in the video, but basically I just, I just started listening to voices like uh, Blair White, people like that, them. I, I don't know. I don't know if I should misgen misgender or not, but uh, uh, I listened to Blair White and I would listen to Calvin Gural. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they were, or they are, they are trans medicalists and I was trans medicalist and and, and transmedicalism seems to it seems to be uh, what, what's the word the outlier I guess of the trans community itself and a lot of the people in the trans community do not like transmedicalists because they say things like uh, not just you need gender dysphoria to be trans but also uh, you need oh god I'm losing my train of thought it's escaping me. You need to actually uh, commit medically. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going for. Yeah, you need to commit medically. Yeah, and I was part of that. So then, with those thoughts, there is therefore gatekeeping, and yeah. I thought like, oh, this is really critical thinking, and uh, this is what everybody needs to do, and yada yada, and like it, it, it appealed to me transmedicalism appealed to me in that I even as a teenager I was 19 at this point where I was like getting more into transmedicalism and whatnot uh oh god hmm. this is my scatterbrain see <laughs> uh, huh. uh uh what was I saying you're charting your trajectory uh you started with talking about your Serbian friend and, and the values that she bequeathed you. And then uh, you're talking about the different attitudes you had towards uh, transition and, and the uh, larger transgender conversation. And, and uh, when you were 19, where were you at? And you're thinking. Uh, I think I was going to say that with, with that gatekeeping, it at least makes other teenagers not transition and kids as well and 
And I was seeing like a lot of non-binary slash, I don't know what else to call them, not really, non-binary people, I guess, going in. Or just people thinking that they are trans, but they don't actually know whatever that means. And then they go into their gender clinics and hmm. and uh, get started on transitioning anyway. So I was, I was against that even as a teenager. <laughs> so... Yeah, what yeah. have you uh why were you against that did it why did it seem wrong to you or or not a good idea that that was happening that's a good question and that was several years ago so i can't really remember off the top of my head i guess i was just seeing uh because i was listening to i, I, I mean i believe i was listening to blair white at this at this point where uh, Blair White would be talking about, you know, the transgenders and whatnot. I, I don't know. And then also, hmm. I guess, uh, it, the 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 trenders on Twitter and Tumblr when I was uh, with my friend and we would also be making fun of these people as well. Like that just kind of added into kind of all clumped together and maybe they shouldn't be doing this as teenagers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been like I I still have to unpack like memories back then. Mm -hmm. So yeah, unfortunately, I don't specifically I don't remember any really too many specifics from back then. I haven't thought about your question. In other words, (laughs) do you have a sense of why uh, what it was about the values that your friend was telling you that, that you said were more traditional that were attractive to you? Where, was there something about them that, I don't know, called to you or felt good to you, as opposed to the social justice and um, progressive values that you held at that time? Mm. Mm. Oh, geez. I really have to dial back the memories on that one. I think a lot of it had to do with me looking up to her and because huh. she liked and respected me and we were friends during my phase of being trans you know and and because she showed me like that kind of love friendship love and respect i was like okay i'm willing to listen to what you have to say kind of thing sort of kind of like that Hmm. and uh, i don't know I, i maybe she also approached it in such a way that it spoke to like i i think she said it in such she she would set it up in such a way where it would sound like like i was very aware of like victim oppression stuff and she kind of said it used used words that i recognized with the oppression stuff and i was like oh okay i can latch onto this mm-hmm. and and we would like look into those sorts of things i I can't think of any specific examples we talked a lot (laughs) about Mm. various different stuff i'm having trouble remembering but but it was similar enough to how you thought that you were able to uh look at the data from more than one side perhaps or the, the topic or whatever you guys were discussing yeah i think so yeah yeah, I wish I wish I could remember. I'd, I'd have to really think about that. 
on my own time. Yeah. Where are you at now with your uh, view of the world? Do you have like a thinker that you're wrestling with or an ideology that that you're tempted to adopt or that you want to try on? Are you beyond ideology maybe even? Uh, right now I'm like speaking with uh, some groups with uh, uh, radical feminists and oh. I'm not necessarily being like, oh yeah, I want to be a radical feminist, but I definitely want to like listen to what they have to say. And I like being in, like included in their little group and we can talk little group. That sounded condescending. You know what I mean? Their group is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> big enough. <laughs> It is. It is pretty strong in this area of the woods, too. Washington, Vancouver, especially. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to, like, listen to them. But I'm not, like, I don't know. I don't know what word to describe. I'm I'm not really into being, like, ooh, I want to be a part of something else, and I want to call myself whatever their group is. You know, I'm not... Like with radical feminism, I, I, I'm not psyched to be saying, oh, I'm a radical feminist or I'm a, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like libertarian is as far as I can go for anything. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it is a curse to have a libertarian spirit. Uh, it's kind of non-committal in a way. I mean, I, I have that myself where I'm like, well, I ultimately don't know, but I'd do you think that leaving people alone is probably a good idea from any sort of authority thing and that people should pitch in on community projects from the in out, like people should be motivated from the inside. Uh, and I don't know how to motivate them, but I know what motivates me. And so I try to replicate that, but I don't want to tell anybody else what to do. And I don't like being told what to do. And there's tons of people who say like, oh, you can't be a fence sitter. We are too polarized in the society and and we will force you to be on one side or the other. It's like, I'm, way to silence my voice. Good Lord. Because <laughs> if you say anything, they'll be like, oh, well, then you're part of this group. You're like, no, I didn't say that. They're like, okay, well, then you're part of this group. And you're like, no, hmm. I, no, I'm not a white supremacist. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's very hard. And people will think, oh, well, if you're just a centrist, then you're just indecisive and you're just yeah. you know, indecisive and spineless, basically. Yeah, you're either letting the communists or the fascists take over. Yeah, and some you're an enabler. Eyes. Yeah, or a bootlicker, if they're particularly agitated at you in that moment. Yeah, it sucks. That's why I don't really... That's why I don't really get involved. Yeah. Comment much. Yeah. What is... uh, What do you... As you do your videos, what do you see taking shape? Like, uh, is there an argument, you think? Or uh, an expression of yourself? Or what do you see being reflected back to you and what you're doing? Uh, being reflected back to me. I'm not, I do, I do videos because, well, initially I did them because, uh, I wanted to help other detransitioners and make space for them a little bit, mm -hmm. but then they didn't really come. <laughs> 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 like a few came and then they just left. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. 
and then a bunch of parents started flooding in and that was the most most support and actual response i got and so i so i was like okay well they're coming in and being supportive and actually like talking to me as opposed to the other teach transition <laughs> like yeah, th- there's yeah. a couple i mean there's two that i'm talking to but it's mostly just parents and so the parents made me go like okay well i need to start actually like educating these 40 something year old parents and they have really no idea what's going on they're confused and so i'm just like okay well i want to spell out everything all these terms that i kind of grown grown up with in a sense because uh, you know i was 16 when everything all started happening so I, I i i would say i grew up with it so i'm trying to like outline what it is and hopefully they can like go like okay now i know what this means so now i can like go to my kid and better understand what they're like, mm. thinking and why they use uh mtf or something you know yeah yeah example, but yeah so yeah, it's definitely fueled by, I want to help parents figure it out because with my mom, she had no idea. There was no resources, nothing at all. She, she, there was no support groups. There was no like Facebook groups as far as I'm concerned. She could, she, well, at least she couldn't find them at all because like detransition stuff, transition, I don't know, like getting help, like that didn't exist. It still kind of doesn't, but it is better. So she had no resources. So I'm like, I kind of want to be like that person who I wish she had back then, I guess. I hope I worded that right. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are some of the themes that you see parents uh, grappling with besides the acronyms and the funny language? What is it that is so strange about gender ideology or transition ideology to these people that are coming to you for help? Uh, A lot of them have like, I don't know about fading hope. That sounds weird. Like Hmm. they have, they're, they're extremely like they're worried sick about their kids. That's definitely a theme where they're like i don't like they're not 18 yet so they're not like prepared to like propel themselves out into like living in a dorm or living with their friends that are also trans identified like they're not there yet so the kid is still living with the parents and then these parents are like what how do i approach my kid to make them at least start thinking about what they're doing and uh Hmm. basically a theme like that where they're just seeking help how how do i approach my kid and those are all very good questions and and, i mean not only am i not an like a licensed psychologist or anything (laughs) i'm not Not qualified to really psychologically help them you know so it's like i I feel at a loss but it's also you know like i went through my thing and I, I don't know any magic spell or whatever magic words to say to another kid because they're not going to be like me specifically because they have uh, like they'll, they'll have borderline personality disorder. I don't have that. Some people might have autism. I don't have that. You know, they, they could have all these issues and my solution wouldn't work for them. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I feel at a loss on that front. What would have slowed you down? And how fast were did you uh, go from uh, not trans into uh, trans-identified and then into implementing that? How did I transition, I guess, is what you're saying? Well, yeah, or, or the what's the uh, the time range? And... Uh, yeah, I first started when I was 16, and that was me being on Tumblr, one of the mo's of the whole trans trans community that's one of the mo's so i I would be on tumblr and i would just see posts about people talking about trans stuff and i didn't join the community or anything i I just like looked at it and i didn't i didn't really necessarily talk with anybody i just saw the words and i was like i was somebody i I guess still am (laughs) i mean i had like I don't know if hypochondria is like the right word, but I, I was somebody who would, who, who wanted to like, s- like solve my issues really, really badly. <laughs> and I saw this trans thing. I was like, okay, I'm curious. What's this? And I look it up and I try whatever I read, especially it's mostly Wikipedia, whatever I read, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to apply this to myself so I can heal myself, whatever those issues are. You know, like it was a what is it called? It like a topical ointment, I guess. And I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna help me. But that's that's how I saw it as like all my issues of being tomboyish. It was like, oh now it's now it's solved. <laughs> um, Did you have a fraught relationship with your tomboyishness or your masculinity? Was that a problem to you to feel out of place? Or did once you saw the trans stuff, then you started to see that that was problematic or or some issue that you could solve? Was it problematic before then? Well, I mean, well, at the time I didn't, I didn't really piece two and two together. It, It was just more like a, I feel this way and I'm going to go with the feeling sort of thing. But when I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see like my tomboyishness was a problem because like other girls would like kind of, I, I feel like bully is a really strong word, but they mm. would like kind of heckle me, I guess. Sometimes. Like I, I had one best friend I'd, I'd call her that but she, she wasn't my definition she was not a very good friend uh she we, we'd been friends since like grade school i think or elementary school and we had like this on and off friendship and as it just as it just kept going it, it was it was pretty clear she didn't like me <laughs> and i think a lot of it had to do with like the way i expressed myself and I, I think she i think i swear i don't have any evidence but i i swear she thought i was like some you know butch lesbian so she was like mm, i'm gonna stay away from you sort of thing and she she would kind of make fun of me for it as well so that and then she would also um she would like also try to like isolate me like friendship wise like any other friend i would try to make she would just like steal that friend from me i'd be like oh, oh okay well i guess I'm friendless. so you know like my my tomboyishness was was a problem <laughs> uh, 
apparently. And yeah, now, now that I think about it, it, it definitely like being perceived as a butch lesbian was a problem. I'm not a butch lesbian and I'm not a lesbian, but that's how I look like because I, and because of the way I would act, which was, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I was the most boyish tomboy, but it was enough to set people off, I guess. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you know that you were trans or what, what was the groundwork of being identified as trans? What, what, what does trans mean? And how are you trans? Is that you're really a boy? You had a boy brain or? Uh, I, yeah, I believe I said things like I have a boy brain and a, and a little girl's body. I think that's what I told myself. I wish I could remember. I know I wrote all of it down, but I just don't have those documents anymore. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it was along those lines of like, this is my soul. Uh, this is my 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 brains like this. I mean, I wasn't exactly spiritual then, so I was more on the lines of, oh, it's science. It's uh, it's scientific proof. But all, but also it was just feelings. I felt like this. I felt like this is what boys go through. This is what they think and feel and experience life somehow. Of course, when I look back, I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. How did you get feedback from the medical community? How did they make sense of this for you when you went to them for, let's say, testosterone? Oh, yeah. Was there any conversation there? And what was that like? Yeah, I went to, well, first I went to therapy. I don't know if, if, if specifically it was gender therapy. Uh, it, but it was therapy and she was, I, I don't know if the affirmative model was a thing. It probably was because she just believed me straight up without really even like digging into how I thought that I was the opposite sex. She just kind of went with it. And, and then, um, uh, and then I got, I, I joined a, a youth a trans youth support group and the the parents there would tell my mom uh what doctor who was very willing to like you know lie to insurance companies so she got that lead and then we went straight to them this guy and i uh, both my mom and i remember it just being very quick like 30 minutes uh i don't remember like what he said exactly but I'm pretty sure it was just him saying like, oh, the, I, I, oh, I do remember he was like, this is what will happen to you on testosterone. So like your voice will change. You'll get more body hair and you might start getting male pattern baldness, blah, 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 the works, the usual. But I don't believe he said anything like, oh, you could develop this disease or have this cancer or something. He just he just went straight to like, ooh, all the pretty glitter of what testosterone will bring you. He didn't warn me of anything. Uh, and then, and then the next thing I remember is, you know, <laughs> pardon my language, but I was, I was, you know, I was bent over the little table thingy, <laughs> whatever it's called, the, the little medical bed. And this nurse comes and pops, you know, a little needle in my butt. <laughs> and then, I, and then Bob's your uncle and I was sent home. That was it. That was like the entire thing. <laughs> I mean, he did do, you know, blood works and seeing, like, 
yeah. how much I, I my body could tolerate testosterone or whatever they do. He did that, and, and that was pretty much it. And then we had like follow ups, follow up visits, saying like, "Oh, how is the testosterone treating you or whatever." I don't really remember what happened during those visits, but I'm, I'm sure it was like very quick and like, oh, that's good. That's great. And then I just went back home and that was basically it. I mean, it, people or people before me had already done so much of the dirty work that I didn't need to like do anything. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was a very odd experience looking back at it because it was like so... I, I may as well have got a prescription for like aspirin or something. It was so quick. <laughs> did you want wh- which part of the side effects of testosterone did you want the most? Did you want the male pattern baldness? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the, uh, the uh, bravado uh, of the and the particular uh, capacity to mansplain. Like what was what was the promise of testosterone? <laughs> yeah, you wanted the peer privilege. <laughs> I wanted people to listen to me. <laughs> no, I. Well, I guess in a way, yeah, I wanted the male pattern baldness a little bit. I de- like I definitely wanted the hairline that men have, and I did oh, really? get a little bit of it, but it wasn't very noticeable. Uh, looking back, I'm like, no, oh, I was hideous. <laughs> but no, I, I, I kind of wanted that because it would give me a more square-looking face, but. I definitely most like most detransitioners, you know, they wanted and I wanted the 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 deep voice mm. uh, because before then I would try to be voice training to get my voice deeper but I, I sounded so I sounded like a late bloomer little prepubescent boy to everybody. I was like I'm done with this. I don't want to be that anymore. Testosterone's going to make people take me seriously. So I was excited for the the voice drop, and then, uh, I mean, I'm I'm a very skinny person, so I wasn't like, ooh, fat distribution. (laughs) 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 I I was psyched for the 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 muscle development. That was fun. (laughs) And uh, honestly, when I was detransitioning, getting off of it, I was like, I, I wrote down, I miss, I'm gonna miss the muscle growth and being able to like lift stuff. That's what I. That's what I missed. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I, I didn't know that there was emotional changes. I wasn't told about emotional changes, and I, when getting off testosterone, I, I did like kind of miss some of those like antidepressant sort of like mm. disconnect from emotions a little bit. I kind of missed that because then I would stop overthinking. That, that was one of the nice things about testosterone. But nobody told me that going in, but it, it would have definitely excited me. <laughs> what was, um, where did you put your mental energy in when you were freed from being, I guess, internal and depressive and, and neurotic or uh, worrying about yourself? Where, where did your brain get to go when you were freed through testosterone from your emotions? Um, well, when I, was at, when I was at school, it would be focusing on like well schoolwork yeah but also like how other boys were like seeing me and I, I would try to like put all mental stock into how am I going to make them like laugh and how am I going to make them like accept me and uh just like general kind of behavior things that that and then I would also be like okay how am I gonna like 
walk like a dude as well. How am I going to talk like one? What am I, how do I do it? And I, I would put a lot of stock into that. And, uh, and you know, I mean, other things, <laughs> uh, the other things would be, you know, of the sexual nature, but that's, you know, that's testosterone that kind of does that to you. <laughs> I'd be thinking about that a lot. And, uh, God, what else? Uh, yeah, I guess I, I just generally, I didn't really focus on how I was feeling about stuff. I, I, I just, I don't know. I just put my mind on not science, you know, but like the material stuff around me. And I'd be focusing on that, I guess. And, and philosophy. I'd be thinking about philosophy a lot. And I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to think back. Well, what was I thinking? <laughs> what were some of the philosophical uh, currents that, if you can recall, engaged you at that time? Like, were you stoic? Were you a Hegelian or <laughs> um, Nietzsche? I was, thinking, I was thinking of solipsism. That hmm. was a pretty big one. I can't remember really anything else. I mean, my... When my oldest brother and I would talk about philosophy a lot, and I can't think of any labels. We would just think about ideas and concepts together. There's no label to it, but we would just be thinking about. <clears throat> uh, I was about to just say existentialism, but I, I, I yeah. guess that's kind of the vein where I was going through, or we yeah. were both, you know, thinking about. You know, it was interesting and then he would add math to it and that's when my brain would just like click off <laughs> <laughs> our conversations with like philosophy with my brother would uh it did lead me into more spiritual things as well so curious what spiritual ideas started to uh attract you uh, or even the frame well it wasn't it wasn't like gender stuff i wasn't thinking about gender and there was no i don't remember anything spiritual like like divine feminine or anything that was way later but during that time it was like the you know spiritual what's your purpose in life sort of thing mm -hmm. and i just thought that was like so interesting to me because like was in the vein of the philosophy stuff and you're already thinking in you know in high thoughts <laughs> not drug-induced high thoughts but you know just <laughs> mm. big big boy thoughts <laughs> and, and we were we, we, I, it, it was in the same vein so it's just like oh of course it's a natural sort of thought to go into where you think it sounds like you were thinking about purpose in the abstract were you thinking about your purpose or just having a purpose being a human and and its relationship to destiny or fate or, or purpose that where you were turned on by i think i was mostly looking at like the bigger picture of things i wasn't really thinking oh what's my purpose i think i was at, still at a at a part in my life where i'm like i don't want to think about myself that's too selfish like i gotta think about everybody else sort of thing hmm. uh i was uh thinking of big sweeping things like where where's humanity going and other psychological things that go with people and how oh <laughs> i don't oh man i don't remember details how far did you think you're gonna go with the transition 
Did you just kind of get on the track and not think about it after that? Or did you have a goal? Was there an end game to that? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question because it was like, that was my downfall as well when I was thinking about, oh, the rest of my life. Because then it got boring after a while. <laughs> so at first I was like, yeah, this is going to be the rest of my life sort of thing. And I was looking into surgery uh, you know, the, the top and bottom surgery, the double mastectomy and the, uh, the what's it called? Phalloplasty. I, yeah, I was looking at that. Uh, not like extremely heavily, but I was, I, I, I was at least considering it. Uh, I, I was mo- mostly looking at it uh, because it was, it was like a stepping stone sort of thing. So the first stepping stone was double mastectomy. So I was definitely just peeking my eyes into every uh putting planting my nose into everything that i could find online about that is what i'm trying to say and so yeah so i was looking at double sick me then the bottom surgery and then after that i didn't have any plans i was just thinking oh this is just what i'm going to be uh and, and that goes into the downfall as well because when i was uh how old was i 20 1920 when i was finally detransitioning i just started thinking about like oh i'm just gonna be a man for the rest of my life huh and i'm gonna have to get (laughs) use these needles every single um every i believe it was every other week i think um uh, however much however whatever my dosage was you know having to do that every other week i just got so grossed out by the thought like i don't want to be doing it because i was also in the whole i think it was also because of the spiritual thing like i didn't want to do unnatural drugs sort of thing i didn't want to rely on drugs and being this man that i thought i was supposed to be relied on these drugs and i didn't like that it felt unnatural at that point and it led into i don't want to i don't want to do that anymore it's a chore that's why i thought of it is uh the thought of mastectomy was that uh part of the package in an abstract sense for you was it that you don't want to have that body part at all what was your relationship to that body part and getting rid of that body part yeah it was like well i hated them of course I think most trans-identified people do hate their chest because it shows to other people, oh, yeah, that's a girl right there, or that's a young woman. And I wanted those off. And it also had to do with, you know, I'm wearing a chest binder. Mm. And, you know, that wasn't, you know, obviously that wasn't a fun thing to do because it's compressing everything that makes it kind of slightly hard to breathe. And... But I wanted these things off, and I, I just, I, I do remember one afternoon or evening, it was probably on a weekend or something, and I was just having a, 
I don't know about a mental break. I, I guess it was a mental breakdown. I don't know. I was probably listening to like really sad emo music or something as I was doing it. <laughs> I, I can make fun of it now, but I was very, very yeah. sad at this point. But yeah. I just remember taking some ballpoint pen and just like putting like X's across my chest, being like, I don't want these anymore. <laughs> and I just look back and I'm like, good Lord, it wasn't that bad. They, they were so small. like i i could have gotten away with just wearing a shirt that was like thick you know and and nobody would have been the wiser i I was so small but i i hated them because to me like you know i would see myself naked so i was like oh i hate this i hate looking at my body in this way it it, it didn't in a way it didn't really matter what other people thought it was I hate what I see mm-hmm. because it reminds me of, of girlhood, you know, and puberty and whatnot. Did in the, in what step in the process did uh, acceptance of your body start kicking in? If it has not to assume that you like yourself, but you you seem comfortable with yourself. What was the first half of your question? What at what point did you sl- let go of that, or at what point did that hatred of what you saw dissolve of your body? Um, uh, yeah, I I think well at at the point of of detransitioning, uh, like. I I guess I just started seeing, I I stopped seeing gender after a while because I had talked to, I wouldn't really consider them a friend. We barely spoke to each other, but I I met somebody on Tumblr who called themselves agender. So, you know, somebody who thinks that they're, they've somehow escaped biology, but um, it was probably a biological girl. But in any case, she, I guess, told me about her feelings, her feelings on, gender and how she just felt like completely detached from it or whatever and then whatever way she explained it i started going like oh maybe maybe that has something to do with me and like i I, you know what i don't really care about male and female anymore and so after i i got that in my head i just kind of i guess i just started like analyzing my body and, and just what it was and I started just hating the, my masculine appearance now. And there wasn't really any, oh, I'm going to accept that I have like these lumps on my chest, you know, like it was just, I don't like how masculine this looks now. And I, I didn't really get to accepting a feminine body until like estrogen started coming back in. And then I was like, okay this looks fine i guess i, I just I, I didn't really accept the the girlhood until like way later uh when i got in a relationship with my, my husband because then that awakened like oh i am a woman sort of thing <laughs> him liking you know my body and he would love me i would start like loving my own body that that's kind of the trajectory of how that went <laughs> I'm done. 
<laughs> you you said something. I was just going to, you mentioned the divine feminine earlier on as a concept. I was just wondering at what point that hit your radar. Uh, Is it still in your head? Oh, you know, it's still there. I'm just trying to pinpoint what age. Uh, the divine stuff only really started hitting until like 20, 22, 21, that, around that age. Because then I finally started being like, because I wanted to up the ante on spiritualism because there seemed to be something kind of divine in it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to explore this. And well, now I'm thinking about how, like, how the whole D-trans stuff and, like, looking back on my feelings on how being trans-identified had me feeling, like, at a loss with stuff. And I remember at one point, I was like, I really want to join a church so I can confess my sins. And I was, like, romanticizing those movies, uh, like the movie, like, Doubt. I don't remember who directed that one, but that one, like, those movies where it's, like, all Catholic and all this stuff, and then they have those booths. <laughs> and then they go in and they tell some random bucko, hey, this is what I'm going through, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I need that. <laughs> and and then I started, I kind of started looking at churches, but then I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not a social person. <laughs> That's kind of scary <laughs> to just go in and just talk to somebody. But mm. I wanted to, um, what's it called? When you do something with, with your sin, what do you, redeem yourself, whatever yeah. it is. I wanted to do that. And so I just looked up religious stuff for once in my life. And that just went down this rabbit hole of what religion is interesting to me. And of course, uh, you know, Christianity being like the main franchise, I looked at that and I couldn't really connect with it too well. There's, I, I think part of the, the disconnect was because I had such an atheist background and, you know, my dad taught me to like never pay attention to them and they're all, a bunch of Bible thumping wackos. So like, okay, well, I guess I'm associating that with like negativity, but I did try to look into it. But I, I just couldn't connect. And so then I found, I guess you could call it paganism, but I looked into like uh, my gateway drug <laughs> was uh, astrology. And then that just went into tarot and that went into paganism. And then I started looking into just, other religions that weren't Christianity or Islam or Judaism, blah, blah, blah. And then define feminine and defi or define divine male and female came up. Hmm. And I just kind of was like, Ooh, <laughs> I, I think I can get on board with this whole divine feminine thing because I was aware of archetypes of, you know, the female form not physical form, but yeah, emo you know, psychologically, I got onto that, and it, it, that was something that I feel that I could like actually connect to, and I like that, and I I liked it because I I, I finally wanted to just 
connect with with, with femininity within myself. And eventually I'd figure out that uh, divine stuff links back to you, as the saying goes, uh, hmm. as above, so below. So, you know, divine feminine is also within me. So I, I needed that connection. What percentage of you is goddess at this point? What do you mean? Are you like 15% goddess now? Like how, how, oh, oh, what yeah. percentage of divine feminine? Like 35%? I, mean, I was born female, so must be constantly <laughs> so connected, right? You're 100%. hundred. You're hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that gender is uh, useful? Uh, and in what context do you think that it's useful? How is it being abused now? And how, how do you think we can get it back on track for young people and people who are really investing a lot of their thought into this thing called gender? Uh, do you have any idea what it's good for? Um, I think, well, I think, I think gender would be important because it is like some kind of structure and we do need some kind of structure. And, and when, you know, when rules are made, we can also break them. And, and that's something we all enjoy doing. So I think it is valuable to have gender. And it, I mean, it's undeniable when you have like a, you know, your biological sex, which has all these hormones racing through it. So and, you know, gender would be reflecting off of that most of the time. So I, I do think it's important, but it's also important to look at it in different ways and experiment with it. And it's okay to experiment with it. And it's also okay to just follow what's traditional. Hmm. I guess that's my thought on it. You know, there's a lot of people who disagree on it and they want to just be, I, I don't know, gender anarchists, I guess, and just like let loose with it and it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I, I guess I'm just someone who values s some kind of tradition with with, with certain stuff. Uh, I don't know. I think you asked another question alongside that one. Something, something about society or... Well, it was really a general question just about what what is gender useful for and uh, how, I mean, this is a really, really big question. How do we uh, divert people who are obsessed with gender, uh, aside from all the transition stuff and all the medical stuff and all the implications, which I think are really big. Once we start to fiddle around with pronouns, then we start to fiddle around with flesh because we start denying reality and then we start manipulating biology eventually that's that's my stance but before that there's all these ideas before the pronouns even start getting mixed up there's all this there's this background radiation of these ideas of queer theory or 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 just gender fluidity and and what you bring up with the divine feminine and the divine masculine though it is rather archaic language there might be something really useful in that in grounding all these feelings for people. So I'm just wondering, like, do you have any insight in going in this adventure of uh, constructing a, a male out of yourself and then 
letting go of that construction. Uh, if you have any insight into the correct way to perceive gender and, and talk about it. Um, uh, wow. Well, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm just one brain. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I can really <laughs> get into that. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to make a correction for what I just said before, though. Yeah. When I when I was saying gender can be bent and, and you know b- break the rules and stuff, I wasn't saying I wasn't meaning like, oh, we can be non-binary if we want to. I'm just saying that I'm using androgyny in the way that we used to do it, um, like mm-hmm. it, like what uh, in the '80s or the early 2000s or whatever. Androgyny was just you just dressed up in a, in a whatever way you wanted to, you know, women wear, would wear their plaid <laughs> in their pants and their slacks and, and they wouldn't be like, Oh yeah, let's mess around with my pronouns. It, it would just be like, yep, I'm dressing up like this. Read it in a weep boys, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, I, you know, like that kind of thing when you're just messing around with clothes and self-expression. And that, I guess that would be, well, I guess gender role is different, but you know, just like dressing and expressing yourself, that's fine. You don't need to go into, as you said, the flesh, you don't need to do surgeries or do pronoun changing. You can just be a girly man, quote unquote, or a masculine woman. You can just do, do it and not mess around with anything else. And that's totally fine. And, and in fact, that's kind of a celebration, I think, because you're mm. just going, you're breaking rules. It's, is rebellious and fun <laughs> uh, but uh as far as obsession with gender though like i know a lot of it has to do with like teens and some young adults and older adults who have either unchecked or or they're just not managing it very well like ocd and you know their autism and other such diagnoses like they the they'll learn about the the trans ideology the the trans stuff and then they'll just fixate on it and it's so hard to get them off of it it's like a what are they called pit bulls or something when they latch onto something you can't get it can't get the ball out of their mouth you know so it's like how how do you how how would you unlatch them from the ball of gender <laughs> that's a hard question yeah. i mean i can think maybe just don't get the trans stuff in their heads to begin with and then maybe that'll do it but then you'd have to i don't know head out into i guess laws at this point hmm. and you know trans activism nip that in the bud i don't know, I don't know. that was a tough one to answer You said you did a lot of writing. You still writing uh, like a whirlwind? Yeah, I still write. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly, you know, personal. Yeah, writings. is it reflective? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been doing reflective writing since I was a kid. <laughs> Always trying to figure stuff out, what's going on in my brain. Like trying to, it's almost like being a, a, some cloud in the air, a fly on the wall and observing this human being 
what is she going through? <laughs> what what are her problems? Let's try to solve them for her, sort of thing. That's what it kind of feels like. Have you ventured into uh, blogging or essay writing about things outside of that girl in the room with a fly on the wall? <laughs> I, you think you will? Yeah. I mean, I, I've tried to dabble in it before. I've been on like WordPress and a little bit of Tumblr and I talk about it. And then I just get too shy. I get a little too really? scared. Yeah. Why are why are you free to do your YouTube channel if uh, you're, you're restrained in the writing? Uh, I, well, like the, the YouTube channel is more has less to do with me. That's why I do hmm. it. Whereas if I'm writing about like doing some kind of autobiography type blog thing, I, I feel it, it, that would be too much about me. And I guess there's a part of me that's like you can't do that. That's too embarrassing. <laughs> it's too revealing. It's too personal. It's too private. And yet I know on, on my channel, I'll be like, Oh yeah, this is what, what I did. And <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, getting into like specifics and other private stuff and that'll be okay. Cause in my mind, it's, this is going to help somebody else. Okay. Yeah. Uh, huh. I don't know. Yeah, it's just different to me. And and I I know it's like, I I guess it also has to do with not only is it helping other people, but it's also like when I'm coming in telling a story that's relevant to people right now, they'll actually look at it. Whereas if it's just me, they won't. That also has to do with it because I would want people to, kind of pay attention to my life but uh, i mean i'm not i'm not big on it i guess is another thing i don't really care that much mm-hmm. I, I would want if anything i would want like the ideas that i have religiously and philosophically i would want to put my ideas out there less about me mm. Do you think that that's in the works? Do you think uh, what you're doing now is going to eventually build beyond gender and start to explore greater themes, more universal topics? Do you see that starting or drawing you? Yeah, I've written down, like, not notes, but like little tidbits of things that I want to do in the future. Religion is definitely one of them. And one of the things I want to do with that is I feel like most, tons of people, I don't know about most, but a lot of people have a misconception of what religion is and they'll just hate it because, oh, Christianity did this, oh, Islam did that, blah, 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 you know, oh, the Jews were wrong, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. And it's just like, that's not what religion is. Like, not really. (laughs) That's how I think it. It's like, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really want to get into the whole thing because then I'll just talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that over coffee or off camera. <laughs> yeah. That's a big talk. It is. I think it's um, it's shadowing us in a way. I think it's uh, 
there's this religious question that is going to be looming over us for decades to come. Uh, our society has removed itself from that, and, and we're paying for that because we haven't replaced it with anything uh, yet. And uh, I don't know if there's a we uh, or if there's a way to replace it for everybody or for all. I don't know if there's a possibility of some sort of Catholic in the, you know, the root of the word, a, a universal church. But there is, uh, on a society level, it seems like we're paying the price for not anchoring certain religious uh, drives into a religion but they're anchored into politics, they're anchored into identity, and, and I think that that's driving a lot. So it's just a question. I think it's a big question um, that everybody has to kind of figure out on their own, but eventually we're going to have to figure out as a society. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't keep on thinking of uh, what's, his, what's his face? Nietzsche. He was basically saying, yeah, God's dead. Unfortunately, yep, that's it. He's dead. And then I remember Jordan Peterson would be. It was saying something like, uh, "Oh, he'll be back. <laughs> God's gonna be back." <laughs> and I was like, "I believe it." <laughs> and I think I think he's right that I think people are gonna look at religion in a different way than how they used to. Yeah, and hopefully, like people will actually look into paganism a little bit more because. You know, the main Abrahamic religions aren't the only thing that are out there because there's stuff beyond Abraham. <laughs> hmm. Because you do need you do need your goddesses and your gods to have different areas to to work in. Hmm. Even if, even though there are similarities, yes, it's nice to have your compartments of okay, this is where Venus is, and like I'm going to uh, pray to Aphrodite for, you know, whatever she's going on and whatever I need from her. And so it's just like, I can connect to all these other things as opposed to just one thing that I don't know if it's going to bring me that, whatever that is. Hmm. It's like using keywords. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the, the Christians didn't burn everything. They were very smart to uh, incorporate. They did a lot of incorporation of uh, the pagan religion into their, uh, at least the Catholics did, to their saints and their hagiographies and giving a, you know, a, a leader of every house and uh, specifying all these different variations of uh, charity and the, the core values of love um, and uh, forgiveness and, you know, I guess uh, martyrdom to sacrifice. Ultimately, uh, it was all constellated by that uh, super story, that superstructure. Yeah. Fallen redemption, a little bit of uh, confession. Do you smudge your paneling with a wick of sage on the uh, lunar ides of the seven-doored uh, caliphate of God. <laughs> blue energies? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know anything about paganism. Oh, well, I I do have my incense and yeah. I do have my sage bundles and I burn them when I'm having a really negative time. Yeah. And I, I just sort of pray the negativity away, get it out of the room. And then, you know, all the smoke, you know, it absorb 
the negative energy and get out of the room wherever it's going. It's it's, hmm. it's not here, you know. We'll do that. Yeah, it'll it'll make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you have going on? Uh, do you, do you have uh, pressing work engagements that take up a lot of your time? Are you uh, a professional or a semi-professional? Uh, no. 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 No, I'm just a housewife, and I work oh. in the house. And oh, cool. Yeah, that actually takes up quite a bit of my time. I bet. Because I'm surrounded by filthy pigs, if you will. <laughs> no, no, no it, I, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to clean. And then, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, obviously I want to work on my mental health and making sure I'm paying attention yeah. to things that I need to be paying attention to and also with rituals, ritual, uh, religious rituals and stuff. I want to keep that in track. And then, you know, talking with people online for, you know, the, the YouTube stuff mostly. Yeah. There's a lot of me time, but hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I'd still, I still honor my schedule. Cause, yeah, because I want to. <laughs> it, it keeps me busy, and it's it's nice, you know. I don't know. That one, I'm I'm not too big on talking about. What? Congratulations for reaching the end of the discussion. If you enjoyed it, do be sure to leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or whatever you need to do to show that glorious algorithm that this is some good stuff. And do be sure to go and check that back catalog as it is brimming full of fantastic conversations. Links to provide monetary support are down there in the description as well. Have a good night.